The following podcast contains some strong language and some very average opinions. It's probably best if you don't listen at all. The Roaring Peacock Podcast. Welcome back. You're listening to the Roaring Peacock main cast. My name is Adonis. You know me as the Adelites on Twitter. Joining me tonight is our mate Ross from the Man on the Post. Hello. Or should I say our man on the post, Ross. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And uh, Alex (laughs) at Riot Badger. Hello. Uh, So... We'll get straight into it then, the news this week. The week began with a controversial pay-per-view decision announced and subsequently the Villa Leeds game brought forward to Friday the 23rd. The cost of pay-per-view was announced as £15, the same price as a glass of wine from Harrods, which is presumably where and how they came up with that price. Eniola Aluko was particularly perplexed about why anyone would have a problem with paying that in unrelated information, Eniola Aluko's net worth is estimated at £4 million. <laughs> Sam Greenwood was named Premier League 2 Player of the Month, one of the only two positive Leeds-related news stories this week, the other being the revelation that Ellie Golding loves Leeds like you do. <laughs> God. <laughs> Fucking hell. <laughs> we started, lads. We started... <laughs> Christ. Carry on. (laughs) While non-essential businesses are threatened, the apparently essential international friendlies went ahead. Players flying all over the world during a global pandemic. You nearly said pandemic there. (laughs) I did. (laughs) Pandemic. (laughs) It's a fucking Freudian slip, isn't it? This is going fantastically. As Europe teeters on the edge of a second wave, what could possibly go wrong? Well, at least two things went wrong for Leeds, with Cooper and Lorente sent back to Ellen Road early with injuries. Um, we prescribe a heavy dose of psilocybin mushrooms for the Nations League in the hope it will question its own existence. <laughs> That's uh, deep. But the main story this week concerns Project Big Picture, And for this coup d'etat, I'll need the help of William Shakespeare. Friends, Leodiensians, football fans, lend me your ears. We come to bury Project Big Picture, not praise it. In a week that stank of the dourness of international football, the better part of valour became indiscretion. As the whistle blew to reveal the Big Six's proposal to assassinate association football as we know it. A group of billionaire owners conspiring in the shadows like a scene straight out of Julius Caesar, have let slip the dogs of war upon the Premier League lion and uneasy lies the head that wears the crown. This proposed bailout package is nothing more than a Trojan horse, a brutal power grab with the subtlety of a blunt executioner's axe that has failed to break the skin of the Premier League. Let us not mince words. This would be the end of any competition and would create a Major League Soccer-type dynasty where only one of six clubs could be English champions. It is a pact with the devil, if ever there was one, to save the football league by selling the soul of English football to six undeserving clubs owned by foreign billionaires whose goal is only to make money. This game, which we love, can only die once. And the fault is not in ourselves, but in our stars. We know what we are, but know not what we may be. Fucking hell. Good night. That was the week, lads. <laughs> oh, and uh, we've got moderator Graham Hyde wanting to uh, enter. Should we let him in? <laughs> not yet. Yeah, Come on, Graham. <laughs> uh, Graham. There uh, he is. Mr. Graham Hyde, ladies and gentlemen, from the League United Supporters Trust. How are we, Graham? I'm really good, thanks. What have you done with the money, Graham? What have you done with the money? <laughs> <laughs> I, I bought myself a beer with it. 
We're about to start off, uh, you know, hostile. We've got to do it. Do it. Oh, that's all right. Go, go straight in. <laughs> to be fair, g- g- given what was on Twitter yesterday from Lardy as to the sort of questions, I'll cope with that. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to set up a fight with you, Badger, for some reason. So I have yeah, no idea. Yeah, standard. Standard. He's just calling me a fraud for using HelloFresh on my uh, recipes. So uh, we're at uh, loggerheads at the minute. <laughs> You've been on here about 30 seconds and I've had 600 in-jokes fly at me, slap me in the face. <laughs> oh, welcome to Leeds United. <laughs> okay, so, Graham, um, we, would, we would normally have gone through a lot, a lot more, but uh, we had some technical issues, to say the least. But let's just crack straight into... Um, the 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 interview then and you're from the Legion United Supporters Trust now for some of us we're aware of it for other people they're not aware of it and for some people they're aware of it but they don't know what it is or what it does or and so there's levels of knowledge or ignorance and uh, I'm right in deep in that sort of ignorant deep end um, so if you could please explain who you are and what it is that the trust does. Okay, so uh, the Legion United Supporters Trust is an entirely not-for-profit, independent organisation that brings together the views of its members uh, on what's happening within Legion United to try and campaign on a number of different issues for fan welfare, for the good of the community that sustains Leeds United um, and just really to sort of bring together a voice um, collectively for, for fans and members. Okay. And can you give us some examples of, uh, of uh, victories, fantastic victories and painful defeats? You may notice on this Zoom call that my background is, um, you know, kind of a certain stadium. Um, go back a couple of years or so, uh, three years or four, well, about four years ago now. Um, and uh, one of the first, one of the things that the trust did was to secure Ellen Road as an asset of community value, which means that basically the club can't sell the ground without it at least being offered to uh, fans to potentially buy in the first instance. So that's an example of the sort of thing that the trust can do. Um, it campaigns to get things like safe standing. Uh, in the ground um, on a more local community level. It supports Leeds fans food bank um, and has been sort of a great champion of that. It also supports Andy's man club uh, in Leeds. Um, probably on a, a less sort of charitable basis, but on more on a, an arts basis, we've been strong champions of things like murals and, and Leeds United artwork. Um, so with the Lowfields road mural, which is the, um, if you like the 92 midfield alongside Gary, uh, alongside uh, Howard Wilkinson carrying the trophy, uh, that was us that we crowdfunded a few years ago. Uh, we're now in a new campaign, basically to crowdfund a whole range of uh, of different pieces of artwork across the city and really sort of bring the city as a community back to the club and and to make it as one again. Alex Ross. Do you have anything to add to this podcast? Do you fucking bring anything at all to it? I just don't know. <laughs> no. Bye. No. Um, it's a bit of a busman's holiday because obviously I, I'm slightly involved in the trust as well, so I, I know all this stuff. But yeah, it's it's been really good um, to see that sort of stuff um, from the inception of the trust to be a little bit more involved in the club and give that voice. But I think now it's you know, we've got to the Premier League and I think now it's uh, representing fans in a really weird scenario with COVID, isn't it? So I don't know how, how do we ad- adapt to do that? A lot, I think, I think, I think the fact is if you go back in history, the trust was born of a time when kind of we had truly horrific owners um, that pretty much wanted to kill the club and, you know, just take money out of it. Um, so there was a, a definite need to have somebody who was independent that was, you know, shouting about the bad things and trying to raise, raise the roof a little bit and raise the profile. We've now got good owners. I mean, you know, you're stacking up basically what a person who's killed one person against a person who's killed 40. Owners are owners. They're self-interested. Um, but Sorry, ultimately, who, who's think, killed some... What? Uh, look, uh, well, I'm, sure, obviously, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm alluding to Chilino here. That's and, the clickbait article for this website. For this yeah. Chilino's a murderer. Nobody yeah, has died in the making of this podcast. 
<laughs> I'm alluding to Chilino on a boat off Libya, but um, <laughs> you know, kind of, uh, you can Google that one. That's that's uh, that's out there already. Um, but yeah, there's. Um, I think now we're trying very much to be sort of a, a, a supportive unit. There's still things that need to be sort of pulled and, and, and sort of questioned. Um, you know, we can't just sit back and be super kind of, wow, we're in the premiership. This is great. And just think, well, the owners have got us there. Then they must be really, really nice people. They wouldn't do anything wrong. Um, owners need that little bit of help and guidance on, in their stewardship because ultimately like any sort of thing like that 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 they're fans but they're not necessarily the same fans that we are having been born into it and therefore yeah Yeah. it's you know they have a different worldview so just going back to this chilino have you not read this he's killed somebody oh no 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 no. hang on hang on i'm not personally saying that chilino has killed anybody (laughs) that could be ending up in in allegedly But, however, there is a strong link between a boat that he owned that mysteriously appeared off the Libyan coast with a number of dead bodies on board. Ah, I saved the boat. (laughs) What? And then turned his phone off mysteriously. I I cannot believe you've not read about this. This was of public record. I mean, obviously, there's there's then the shooting incident, basically, when somebody (laughs) kind of went onto his property. Um, But, well, that's another one. So, Chilino is full of little stories like that if you look them up. Jeez, I thought he was but, bad, I th- as it was. Uh, but, but he played, but he, play, he played the guitar with the pigeon detectives at the Christmas do, so was, everything's good. It was all forgiven. But he plays a Stratocaster, so I don't trust him. And it's a semi Strat, so no, no, no. Oh, fucking hell! I'm gonna get pelters all all year now for this. From Plastic fan, not knowing the history. I can't believe this guy doesn't know about Chilino and the boat. Where were you when Chilino was serial killing people on his boat? Allegedly. Yeah, allegedly. (laughs) The Roaring Peacock podcast does not endorse murder or accusing anybody of murder. We only thought that Chilino did a few lines in the cubicles. Allegedly. Could you you imagine that as as like representative of the trust? It's like going to the club and saying, we'd like you not to kill people on boats. Um, can I just can I just say that from a trust point of view, we we do not endorse murder, uh, and and, it, and if we felt that our owner was involved in that kind of activity, we would campaign pretty hard against. We are holding our owner for account for the alleged murder of Seaman. <laughs> okay, going- so um, <laughs> this is going well, isn't it? So. <laughs> So some of the um, the big topics recently were about the season ticket refunds. Um, and do you, do you is there any more updates or anything anything like that that you have to in tell us last, about in terms of last year's or this year's? Well, this year's, I guess, because last year's have been sorted out, and I think everybody's just, got a rebate now. Isn't just it? about, I think, I think pretty much the last few have been sort of landing. Uh, yeah, that's good. Um, so. Yeah, I think in terms of last year's that they've now sort of finally been sorted. And let, let's be honest, the club have had a tough time. <laughs> you know, they've been really challenged in terms of furloughs, the COVID situation, being able to process a load of details. You know, they had three and a half thousand that came back with bank details that didn't quite match how they wanted or that the forms hadn't been 100% completed. But ultimately, that gave them a huge challenge. So they've waded through that and they've got through it. And now everybody who asked for their money back has got their money back. And some of those were really complex. I mean, you know, there were people who'd unfortunately passed away and it had gone through probate. There were people who'd changed bank accounts. There was all sorts of stuff. So it was a complex ask. On to next season, or this season in effect, um, and the club line I think is fairly consistent, which is, look, we don't know what we're doing because nobody's telling us what we're doing. So we don't know whether you know fans are going to get back at some point, whether they're going to get back at you know, no point this year. And so to make a policy that sort of says, yeah, we'll give you your money back, all right, but what happens if they give all everybody their money back and all of a sudden then uh, by January, everything changes and we're back in the ground? But there are some clubs that are, are giving, uh, giving refunds based on the games. So as soon as there's a home game, they... By the way, are you sponsored by a certain drinks company? Uh, well, because I'm drinking. Um, I, look, if Thornbridge Brewery wants to sponsor me, I'll happily, happily take that. Yeah, I'll I mean... Re- their, Cal- their California Sun West Coast IPA is very tasty. 
<laughs> I, I hope you're sending the 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 lads here some some of that some of your well sponsors. look to be fair you know kind of uh, i'm the host you know i'm doing this for free i'm i'm surprised i didn't receive a package in the post to make the the, the process a little more entertaining yeah. what we're going to send you a, a peacock or something <laughs> well look a roaring that, peacock that, that just might make a lot of noise in the garden and upset the neighbors so you know to go 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 with the ducks my ducks would fight it anyway it's fine <laughs> okay but who would win a duck well, or a peacock well, to be fair, peacocks are all show, aren't they? You know, they're not. Re- I doubt they're really that hard. I mean, to be fair, it's a strange kind of thing. It's all showy. It's got like the back end, um, but ultimately, it, it has to kind of the way a duck impresses a female duck is this, is is the foot long corkscrew cock. You're insulting us, aren't you? Aren't Firstly, you're saying that we're all show, and we've no, got, we've got nothing behind the no, behind the no, glossy front end that we're I, not that hard. And that we've got small dicks. <laughs> no, and just not corkscrew shit. And that's it. Which you, you know, and to be fair, the corkscrew's the frightening bit about it. And Listen. even uh, totally going off in the weeds, right? So the reason that um, ducks have that is that they reproduce through rape, which is a terrible fact of the animal kingdom. But the female duck can decide which male duck is uh, sperm is selected to reproduce because they have a labyrinth inside them which they can just decide who is oh jeff jeff will do this month yeah so welcome to the roaring peacock podcast about corkscrew <laughs> penises and ducks but can i just point out we've got bigger penises than ducks some of us at least at least one that i know of probably <laughs> i've never seen a duck's penis okay moving on yeah <laughs> Yeah, okay. So, serious stuff then. Ross, okay, bring on. us back on track, mate. Yeah. <laughs> Come on, Ross. Yeah. You haven't um, fucking said anything. This is why we're, we're, we're... I don't tend to get involved with the, the trust stuff too much. More, all I know for them trust really is that Ken Bates used to hate you guys and blamed you for scaring away investors and that sort of stuff. What, what's changed? Why is it Why is it different? Why is well, it different well Ken Bates, thankfully, is you know, kind of no, no longer <laughs> around. Um, Ken Bates used to blame anybody who basically challenged what he was doing. And, and I yeah, think, yeah. you know, calling fans morons, um, you know, et cetera, I think was, was his way of, uh, of deflecting from the fact he was just literally taking cash out of the club. Um, the trust now, I think he's on a reasonably good fo- footing with the club. Uh, the club are generally quite open in the way that they approach fans, that they'll have conversations. Angus always says, ultimately, you know, anybody can contact him and he'll try and give them an answer uh, on whatever their question is, um, whether that's via email, what have you. Um, he will do that. Um, we sit down with the club fairly regularly um, and have one-to-one meetings where we can talk with that. So we've built up a relationship. Now, sometimes, um, you know, we're very supportive of what the club's doing and that's great. There are times when we're not so supportive, um, you know, when we believe they make mistakes and that's where we you know, we do our best to try and hold them to account, as said. So, you know, I think our relationship with the club at present is strong, um, but it's independent. So, yeah, I think the challenge comes when uh, when we're saying, uh, you guys saying that you're the fan's voice, and then people say, but you're not my voice. How do you, how do you reconcile that sort of thing? Well, uh, I think the, the traditional thing we always say is that ultimately, we're, first of all, we're our, we're our members' voice. Mm. So we are the voice mm. of our members uh, and we try to represent the wider fan base as best we can. So one of the things that the Trust is trying to do is build strong relationships with other fan groups, be that marching out together, be that um, Ludo, be that, um, you know, the Legion United Supporters Club um, sort of uh, executive and just try and get so that actually occasionally we can have a, a more collective voice. Um, I think a great example of that is probably when we brought everybody together to do the stay away campaign um, sort of back in, in May time. Um, when we started that and we sort of led a campaign, got everybody on board. Everybody was happy to sort of support that message um, and push that message of stay away, which which is one that all fans groups pretty much could get behind. Everybody was happy to do so. Um, and therefore the message came from everybody led probably just by us doing the, the kind of the graft of bringing together the project. Yeah, yeah. Is there is there going to be a, a Gary Speed statue? And what about this uh, idea for a 
a salute statue from the the seventies team. Okay, that gonna happen. Um, uh, look, I'm, I'm not so sure. Bryn, obviously, last week uh, the, on one of your previous podcasts said that he'd been approached about a Gary Speed um, sort of statue in terms of getting in touch with um, Gary, Gary Speed's parents. Um, we're not aware particularly of any sort of statues being planned at this stage, but that doesn't mean to say that they aren't. Um, there are things that happen sort of that we, we're not proxy to. Um, from our point of view, we're, we're focused on putting as much different sort of Leeds United related art across the city um, as we can possibly do, not simply at the stadium, but, you know, in the, in the four corners of, uh, of, you know, kind of the borough of Leeds, really, um, from Pudsey through to central Leeds through to anywhere else. And the key thing is, is, for a piece of artwork that we're putting together, what we need people to do is ultimately, if they have a building end, a gable end that can be painted on, uh, get in touch with us um, and we'll look at doing it. Okay. And um, now the week started off with this whole pay-per-view fiasco. And you sent out, you guys sent out an email um, addressing that kind of. And do you just want to go a little bit into that and and what ideas you have is there going to be like some you know uh fuck off pay-per-view beamed beam from a projector onto the side of the east stand or have we got planes flying by are there going to be cheerleaders out outside with those things no no pay-per-view no no (laughs) i think you're confusing us with time to go massimo um (laughs) as a group um which has been done before but yeah we're, we're not the same um ultimately we we aren't as direct action as perhaps that might have been so our, our our viewpoint is that ultimately the imposition of additional costs to watch games um is unwelcome um it's poorly timed it smacks of greed now the club when we talked to them said ultimately it was a done deal that they were basically given given look if you want your fans to be able to watch these games that you agree to this that's it that's the only option it's the 14.99 it's done via the broadcasters any kind of spare cash after the broadcast costs will come back to you but in the main we'll go into a pot for the EFL um so the clubs felt as though in the main that they had to kind of sign up for it i think we're a little bit frustrated that the club missed an opportunity to Make take a stand, stand. Yeah. Um, you know, and you look at Leicester City and, and they did. Um, I'd be interested now to see whether Leicester City's games are on pay-per-view or whether actually, no, you said no. So none of your games are going to get shown. I, I'm sure I'm sure the people of Leicester will be, you know, heartbroken. Yeah. It's a, it's a real shame that because you've got a, a populace that have paid out for season tickets, paid out for Sky, paid out for BT Sport and then... Uh, a group of really rich people in a room have decided that £15 is fine for people to pay to watch football that they've already paid for in a lot of uh, circumstances. So it, it's a shame because last season, when we were in the AFL, I know the rules are different, but you know, screening them games via LUTV went fantastic. And we had Bryn on and we were um, talking about that. Um, it's a shame we couldn't do something similar. But I think we are going to miss football. We are going to miss games because of this. So. There's, an in- there's a really insidious side to this. Um, there's there's two aspects to it as far as I can see. The f- the first one is that if um, if people pay for it in numbers, it will become a constant fixture, not for this season but for future seasons, and 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 they'll know then that people are willing to pay fifteen pounds. So they're testing the market essentially. And then the other side to it is if people don't pay for it, then they can turn around with this project big picture and say, oh, well, nobody wants to watch the smaller clubs. We know because nobody bought those pay-per-view games that we put on. Leicester are being trolled. They're they are only two games that are on TV, are both on box office. So it, it would see that their no vote basically had no impact on it. And I think, therefore, that, that probably yeah. strengthens the point of view that a club like Leeds could have taken a stand alongside Leicester and said no, and it still would have enabled the vote to go through, but they'd have emerged with a bit of credibility. I, th- I think it's interesting you talk about the the, the project Big Picture and, and how this links together. Um, my ch- one of my key challenges is the price point. I think fourteen ninety nine as a price point is excessive. Um, you know, I think that ultimately... 
I know that basically the, the broadcasters want to make sure that the caliber of the presentation is exactly the same as if it was being shown direct on Sky or BT or Amazon or what have you with multiple camera angles, the, the production, etc. But the fact is, I don't think that's necessarily where the appetite for the viewers is on these kind of pay-per-view games. And I think the challenge is that if you look at the, the as, as Alex said, some people have already paid for the have got paid for season tickets already. Not everybody club, every club in the Premiership has already gone through the whole season ticket raft. There are lots that haven't. So Leeds are a little bit in a group on their own there. But I think what comes about then is you as you link that into the big picture piece and you say. Okay, so we we trial pay-per-view and it works. Fine. Lovely. Well, actually, as part of the big picture um, debate, they want to have eight games per club that they can sell wherever they want, however they want anyway. And the reason for this is that ultimately they want to be able to maximise revenue. Now, if you took one of the packets of football that normally gets sold out to Amazon or BT or Sky or what have you and said, right, each club can have eight games that they can sell themselves. What you're going to get is a LUTV would ramp up its its capability. And if you remember what Bryn was saying about basically investment was needed in order to take it to the next level, that yeah. would happen. And yeah. the fact is Leeds, by having sold kind of 45,000 views to uh, LUTV for championship games, would sell 100,000 at least um, for a premiership game, if not more. Okay. And, and if they were sort of positioned at, 10 pound 15 pound that's sizable revenue you know that probably i mean let's say let's say if you, if you sold 200,000 and you're talking about that being you know at 10 pound a go well that revenue stream is basically more than the current payment would be from um, the broadcasters for that match so the larger clubs will basically benefit from that there's no question about that and what it allows them to do is potentially explore this concept of moving away from longer term broadcast dependency now the broadcast dependency at the moment is very very heavy in the premiership because ultimately you look at clubs like Bournemouth who were there last year um, you know with sort of 12,000 you know in the stadium they ain't making the money from basically their their match day revenue and from other commercial models it just isn't happening they're entirely dependent on that broadcast model now that means that what you've got is then in the in the championship is lots of clubs who are chasing that dream without the sustainability of non-broadcast models. And I think, you know, without sort of wanting it to be coming to um, an oligopoly with like just large clubs that have huge global fan bases at the top of the game. Ultimately, that's slightly more sustainable if you basically are then charging your own fans for viewing rather than it being from a central pot that is benefiting from everybody. I guess what I was I was going for was that we're kind of damned if we do and we're damned if we don't. Um, and yeah, I mean, but it's kind of clear what will happen. I put out a Twitter poll and as soon as the news broke and I said, 15 quid pay-per-view, what will you do? And I also said, retweet after voting, got 1,268 votes and only 36 retweets. So what are you doing, guys? Come on. I retweet it. God. Um, and uh, 10% said they'd pay the 15 quid. 10% said they'd find a pub where it's on. 62% said they'd find an illegal stream. And 18% said they won't watch it. So you've got 90% just below 89% saying that they they won't pay it. This comes back to the price point. So at 14.99 lots of people are then turning around saying right okay a bit like the boxing you know if you were doing a boxing pay-per-view you get your mate round your mates round and you watch it all together so there's there's in effect 10 of you paying that sort of 20 quid to watch you know a boxing match or a boxing card. So you'll get people who collectively do that which in the current climate given the sort of covid restrictions and the various tiers of lockdown we're facing is not great for public health. No they'd be like you know pass me the popcorn mate oh could you give me that covid over there as well thanks. Well uh, or, or, or the disinfectant spray. Uh, um you know kind of what have you but um I think You've also then got the situation of saying not only is the price point a challenge in terms of people then getting together and doing it, as you say quite rightly, there's a price point where people are quite apathetic and will pay it. So let's say that was a fiver. 
people go, oh, it's only a fiver. It, it's not worth the hassle of getting IPTV or what have you. Now, at £15, you know, you people are sort of starting to go, hang on, wow, all right, well, look, I might look at an IPTV prescri- uh, description, uh, so, subscription. Um, when you think that, uh, like a, a bafflement of these millionaires, why aren't they paying it? £15. Pounds. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, and that's it. Ultimate, ultimately, that's it. You know, kind of whilst whilst they sort of jet around on their sort of Lear jets, etc. Um, you know, wondering why they we feel a little detached from them. So let's talk about Project Big Picture then, and that's kind of our main story of the pod. And I just want to kind of lay some fundamentals down so we're all on the same page so the plans began immediately after leicester won the league <laughs> um the Shocking. champagne was probably just uh, falling onto the um the fox's turf <clears throat> spearheaded by this can't happen ever again sorry Ross? yeah let's not this can't yeah. ever happen again let's not let this happen <laughs> Um, spearheaded by Liverpool and Scum's American owners, it's an effort to consolidate the recent dominance of the Big Six. The redistribution of money throughout the pyramid fails to recognise the move to expand European competition. In reality, this uh, redistribution of money will just further divide the gap in the Premier League because the Premier League money is being divided, not the European competition money. And the change of the one club, one vote rule is the critical point. It would allow the top six to alter anything they wanted to, including immediately reneging on any part of the deal that they're putting forward. But also, for example, firing the <laughs> Premier League CEO, blocking any approaches from wealthy owners who wish to take over a lower 14 club, effectively ending any meaningful competition. Would give the clubs the right to sell their own games on their own platforms, as we discussed, and further diluting the TV rights of the entire Premier League which would obviously reduce income for teams like Burnley, who nobody wants to watch. While money would filter down, strict salary caps would be enforced across the EFL, making it impossible for championship clubs to gain and secure Premier League status. The hopeful signs are there has probably been leaked to try and kill it, and there is no way the other 14 will vote for it. And... Initially today, so initially there was an EFL meeting and it showed that that about 90% of EFL club chairmen support the plan. And there was also a joint statement that came out today from fans of the big six clubs. They have issued a statement condemning it. So that's the big picture of the big picture. I have been purposely avoiding reading about it just so I could hear it. (laughs) like that and oh my god (laughs) so the thing is what that strikes me and it's on first reading is that the EFL clubs have said that they're in favour of it because that's survivable that's all about survival they're not bothered about going up or going to the Premier League they just want to survive because that guarantees money but also castrates them from ever being promoted so why why would you vote for that because it's supposed to be a competition not a business yeah yeah. Great. Fantastic. Ross, thoughts? There's one good thing in all those proposals is the fan charter capping away tickets at £20, away travel subsidised, focus on return to safe standing and a minimum away allocation of 8% of the capacity. That's good. The rest of it is absolute fucking bullshit. <laughs> and if, if it gets passed, it's absolute shit. <laughs> it, it's hard enough to get into this division. We're here now, fine. That's great, but for the other clubs, what's the what's the incentive to just carry on and survive every season? That's it. it. In Pointless. effect, the good proposals in this and the workable proposals in this. So there is there is great. Look, let, let, let's let's be a little bit fairer about you know kind of how the money's divided down the, the the pyramid. Let's support the lower clubs and give them some genuine sort of sense of financial stability out of the riches, rather than it just be pouring into agents and players' pockets, which is what it's currently doing at the moment. Um, it also basically offers a million a hundred million pound to the FA, which would be really beneficial in terms of building grassroots football again, um, looking at working sort of, you know, those kind of angles and really re-establishing football as the national game in the UK. 
our problem lies is that all of this is basically being done with you can have that but we want this yeah. and it's been driven by this this idea this notion yeah. if we were just talking about that actually what the big clubs want is to be able to sell their own games you know down the line do that yeah. but look if that yeah. was the trade-off and they were saying right you can have eight games which is what the proposal says eight games that you can sell yourself prove your concept of market prove the fact that you can make your own additional revenue streams with your larger fan bases compared to the burnies of this world or what have you that i think people would probably go look i get that actually you know that's really going to build a, a a really powerful financial base for the richer clubs but they've already got that and they're already getting that because they're in europe the big problem is this veto and, um, and power grab, this notion that nine clubs that have been the longest serving in the premiership will be given special voting rights. And actually, only six of those need to vote in a certain way for it to pass. So it's clearly a big six power grab. It's about them being able to make all the decisions in football. And, and when we think about it, you know, kind of do we really want a situation where we're looking at the way American sports are controlled, which is, you know, application only to leagues, no promotion and relegation, franchise systems that are basically in order to, you know, built in order to maintain the riches and the benefits of certain, uh, you know, clubs, uh, certain, you know, franchises. And I think this is it. It's the ultimately Fenway Sports Group, you know, are looking for that kind of stability. The Glazers who own Tampa Bay basically are exactly the same. They're thinking along the same lines, you know, and, and this is it. They're looking for that stability of revenue, stability of power that enables them to always stay at the top of the game and not have any change. Or as you say, with Leicester being the, the, the sort of the catalyst for it all the fact that somebody how dare they come yeah. and win the premiership yeah. you know how dare they the, those big six clubs only three of them are currently in the top six one of them is 14th the other is 16th what, why are Spurs included in this to start with what, what have they ever fucking done ever because they've got a big stadium they've got a big stadium that needs paying off well yeah exactly interestingly hidden in the uh, proposals there are also basically bits where clubs would be able to get claim back from the Premier League sizable rebates on their stadia. So you're talking about Liverpool being able to claim back about 40 million for their recently renovated stand. And yeah. I think Spurs, yeah. you're talking about it being nearly 100 million plus that they would be able to claim back as a rebate against their stadium build. So it's just constantly looping back into ways that in effect they can you know, be self-interested and look after themselves. When, when he said, yeah, when he 19, said, funnily six, enough, hidden 61. in, I thought you were going to say foundations of Spurs ground is Chilino's <laughs> old friends from the boat. <laughs> Sorry, Thomas, gone. No, no, no. 1961 was the 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 last time uh, Spurs were English champions, awesome. and that's kind of what I was hinting at at the start when I said undeserved. Yeah. Just scum are in a right state and if and if Woodward wants to drive the whole Premier League into the ground after driving scum into the ground after we've just got back <laughs> after fucking 16 years of watching the shit show and and the thing is that we become such a huge asset to the Premier League when we're in it that the opening game at Anfield was the the most watched Premier League opening game in ever yeah um if you if you look at the the records so i think we're a huge draw and we add so much <clears> to it and yeah okay maybe they had a they, they've got half a point when they're um when they're talking about teams like burnley and saying you know no one fucking watches burnley and they get basically the same money as us and everybody watches us and i, I can understand that because we're in the same boat but at the same time, even though they piss all their money up the wall, <laughs> and so does scum, by the way, um, I, I still think it's healthy for the competition and it makes the Premier League better if, if the teams all get an Absolutely. equal share. And it just dilutes the competition itself. Like it makes it less of a spectacle. Yeah. Um, Look at Everton, top of the table, playing great football, got a good manager. They've bought really well in the summer, not overstretched themselves, and they're flying at the minute. And they're not part of this. So exactly, exactly. Think, yeah. Are they not? All oh, right, okay. But is and 
Well, yeah, they're one of the nine, aren't they? But not one of the six. Uh, yeah. Longest serving, so even... not consecutively, it's overall. Because West Ham have been down, aren't they? So, yeah. yeah, Saints were in League One when we were, fuck's sake. Yeah, they <laughs> see, they're even trying to ruin 69 for us. Because they're nothing <laughs> these people won't stoop to. Yeah. I, th- I think there's right. an interesting yeah. thing. I mean, look, right. we, we haven't heard from our club on this, so... You know, we've yet to see what their thoughts are. And you'd think that ultimately they will have reservations because ultimately that they're going to be sidelined already yeah, uh, within the yeah. top table. However, long term, you know, I think if you listen to sort of what Parag Maranth was saying recently from the 49ers about the potential they see of Leeds United as a global brand, you could see that long term, actually, the idea of having that kind of top table seat would be interesting. Yeah, but we're not there yet, are we? That's the no, thing. we're not, yeah, and, must... and therefore I think it would be a, a move that came too early for the the world domination plans. <laughs> and would you want that? Would you want it? Would you want to watch Major League Soccer style Premier League? No. And it, and it comes back to ultimately that, you know, kind of our belief is that fans are at the heart of football, um, not TV revenue, not TV sort of, you know, watching of games. It, it's fans. Um, and therefore, whilst ever we build this global fan base and we've got a huge fan base all over. And don't get me wrong, there are lots of people who travel ridiculous, you know, sort of journeys to come to, to Leeds games, you know, when permitted, um, you know, be that the Scandinavians, be that, the, you know, the random people that come from from literally all over the globe for games. Um, you know, the, the, the fact is fans should be at the heart of football. Um, and these are discussions going on about the deep future of football and fans as stakeholders are not even included in the discussion. Yeah, absolutely. It's not been at the forefront of the discussions for this, is it? And it, it feels like, and I'm new to this, because like I said, I've personally not done it, but it feels like, this has been drawn up a while and they've seen COVID as the opportunity because they've seen how the smaller clubs are struggling. This is the time to sort of release it because people have been more accepting of it because money and it means the business survives. The fact that they'd be able to have veto power on other clubs' ownerships, that how is that in any way fair? It's not conducive to a fair competition, bollocks. is it? No, my friend's a Newcastle fan. He's absolutely fuming at that rule more than anything because... Obviously, they want to get taken over by the Saudis, which, fair enough, people have opinions on that. But it's not Mike Ashley at the end of the day. Like yeah. this is like keeping Ken Bates in charge over and over, and over and over, never letting anyone else take over because it's the status quo and the big, the bigger clubs see that as a more reasonable um, like person to hold the, the reins of the club. It's ridiculous. Can it's... I just point out, Ken Bates would never have paid for Joe Linton. <laughs> <laughs> It would never have paid full stop, just no. nothing. We would, we would have bought a striker that scored as many goals, though, to be fair. In my opinion, they're, they're missing a trick anyway, because the Premier League is in a position now to be, I mean, they talk about it being the best league in the world, but it, it really would be, it really could be the most watched and the best league in the world um, because of because they've had fair distribution of money between those clubs throughout uh, the last 27 years yeah yeah uh, and we have a situation now where um syria it was uh syria was uh in the 90s until the economic bubble burst there they had all the best players in syria um there were all the teams was was so strong and they were they were all had a chance to 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 compete and uh, to win the italian title <clears throat> and that's where we're coming to now we've we've we're, we're coming to a bubble now where we've got all the best coaches in the Premier League. You, you've probably got about seven or eight teams now who could potentially win the league. Um, I wouldn't have said that before Villa <laughs> spanked Liverpool 7-2. <laughs> but now I feel like that's the case. It's it's almost wide open, this league. and And if you reduce it, to a MLS style or a fucking Scottish Premier League style or Bundesliga style league where there's only a couple of clubs who are going to be able to win it, then you completely destroy the product and the thing that that we've created over this whole time. It's just greed. Yeah, I mean, if if you're going to a a season, like any club, 
should have that thought that we could probably do something this season. Not, I'd settle for 10th or, you know, you know, if we don't go down, I'm happy, but we'll never get into the top six or the top 10. Yeah. No point. What's the point in competing? Because you're not going to win not, anything. You're not think we're almost about... there anyway. I mean, you take Leicester as an example, but they, they had oh, the yeah. seventh yeah. largest uh, wage bill um, in the Premiership the year they won it. So they, they weren't exactly playing, you know, play, playing on a cheap budget. So, you know, I think this is it. We're already a situation where that's where the world is. Um, mm-hmm. Now, the fact is, because of that, you're creating a ridiculous bubble in football where premiership it, it, football in itself is a crazy bubble. So you've then got that difference between the lower leagues or the EFL and the premiership. I think ultimately the, the model of football in its current state is, is arguably broken. Uh, it is unsustainable. And certainly the FSA as a fans organization is pushing for a sustain the game model where we, we have greater sharing between, you know, the top division and the lower divisions, but that actually we look at that being on a basis of, of clubs being able to genuinely sustain things, um, you know, and do it properly. Now, whether that's, improving sort of contract negotiations with players in the premiership, which means there's immediate break clauses or immediate drop clauses for relegation so that you're not then having to pay ridiculous parachute payments into the premier, into the championship, which then distorts the championship as it currently yeah. sits. Um, yeah. You know, there's, there's a whole raft of things that need to be looked at. And whilst this is it football, if it's, if it's in a state of malaise, if it's, if it is, uh, you know, struggling, Somebody needs to come up with a plan. And I think in that sense, you know, there needs to be uh, a smattering of sort of, you know, praise for the fact that at least a plan has been put on the table and we can now start to have the debate properly about what good looks like. like. Um, because I think the, the brilliant thing is, is you are going to get basically all these EFL guys who, who are sort of turning around saying, yeah, look, just show me the money. You know, I, I just need the money to survive. So yeah. I'll, I'll sign my life away because I've yeah. no ambition. You know, a Fleetwood Town, in all honesty, are thinking, do you know what? Championship's probably my ceiling. Mm-hmm. So I'm not really that bothered about, mm-hmm. you know, kind of what it would take if I got to the premiership and then found out I could be voted against by, you know, everybody else, you know, at the top. Um, that's not their problem. So what they're looking at is that immediate bailout piece. And I think to link the bailout and other structural changes to a clear power grab by six, you know, very wealthy club owners, um, that's that's the real bit that sort of leaves a sour taste, I think. Yeah, definitely. One of them can't even pay the mascots, can they? So yeah. no, it's, uh, it's not good. Not good at all. Um, what did they say in the proposals about relegation and promotion from the AFL? Is it they're still keeping the playoff model? Or is it... No, two teams down, two teams up. The playoffs will be um, a four-way playoff between three three teams in the lower division and the team that finishes third bottom in the championship and the Premier League will go into a playoff. So it's like um, rugby league? Mm. Yes. No, so thanks. it'll be 18 teams. Yeah, 18 teams, yeah. bottom two go down. And so that's 18 yeah. and 17 go down straight away. And then 16th will play third, fourth and fifth the third, in a playoff. Fifth, yeah. Those of us who, well, not, I'm, I'm looking at you guys and it's probably not quite so relevant, but in the 80s, you might be able to remember the fact that, you know, kind of as, as we were sort of at the top of the, uh, the, uh, the old League Two, as it was, the second division, um, we played off against Charlton, who were in the top division at the time, um, and basically lost in a playoff um, and then didn't make it up. So, you know, we've had these kind of playoffs in the very early conceptions between the top division and the second division in the past. Um, I just wonder, ultimately, is that a move towards kind of the franchise model where there's no relegation and promotion? Yeah, yeah. Right. Um, you know, yeah, is that is right. that what they're testing towards? Already they're talking about it being an 18-strong division at the top end. So, you know, they're already culling two people and saying, right, everything's a bit more compact, so there's two less spaces to go for, uh, less change, um, you know, and, and driven in that way. Yeah, yeah the League Cup into Shield, which is fine. Get rid of those. Pointless. Yeah. Good, the League Cup? No. Yeah, nonsense. Birmingham City in the semi-final. That was one of the the best days I spent at Ellen Road in the nineties. Swansea that Bradford. Was a, that was such a fucking final. shit season, and that was just a one <laughs> one good moment in it when we go, we knew we were going to Wembley and um, Yeboah scored, and we yeah, were laughing at the Birmingham fans. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, went well, didn't it? 
think I think we're, we're possibly at a point where show sure, Ross. Yeah, you have to make a decision. Between tradition and, you know, kind of moving forward. And so stuff like the Charity Shield, the Community Shield, um, you know, it's a traditional part of the footballing calendar. But clubs are more bothered now about doing sort of, you know, kind of lucrative overseas fixtures pre-season, you know, than than a warm-up in front of, you know, a minor royal. But what what game are you going to get tickets for if there's no fucking League Cup? That's it. It's gone. <laughs> Never going to Ellen Road again. Yeah. You shouldn't have given up your season ticket. <laughs> like, just join the 20,000 on the waiting list. <laughs> yeah. That's, That's a very optimistic yeah. waiting list, that, isn't it? And then basically advise several of those who are currently in season tickets to get a job working for a trawler off the coast of Liverpool. <laughs> <laughs> Call back humour, ladies and gents. Call back humour. That's what it's all about. Um, so the FA chairman, Greg Clark, said that he was involved in the early s- discussions with Project Big Picture, but then he withdrew. And he also said that the Big Six threatened a breakaway league. If... Uh, if it well, they wasn't just, agreed to. They were just going to like, compete with eating chocolate biscuits. <laughs> oh, different guy. Oh, sorry. Different sort of breakaway. Yeah. <laughs> Think about breakaway now. Yeah, I'd, I'd rather have that. Just um, but, how, would, how would that work? So it's just a team of, a, a league of six teams, which is watched by the most plastic fans yeah. on earth. Great. Yeah, you <laughs> yeah, do that. Brilliant. Fantastic. Sod off. Let them have it. <laughs> I don't have to do with them on Twitter anymore. It's great. So, Graham, <laughs> tell me, what is the plan? I mean, you're the uh, the the vice chair, right, of the of um, of Lust, Lust. Um, just want to say that a few more times, Lust. And uh, okay, you're the fan's voice, right? What's what are we going to do? Are we going to going to chain ourselves to the gates? You know, we're going to glue one hand to Billy. What, what's happening? What's the plan? How do we stop this? Whatever you want to do on a weekend, Adonis, is down to you, mate. Uh, <laughs> but for us, as I said, ultimately, you know, we're not about direct action. We're about kind of, you know, considered uh, campaigning uh, and sort of trying to, to, to sort of influence rather than, you know, sort of battle on the streets for a result. Um, I, I think, look, the, the trust is going to clearly have discussions with the club. I think... We'll, be, we'll, clear, we'll put out a statement, as you've seen already this evening. There's a number of sort of trusts have placed statements out there um, that are saying there's concerns about these kind of moves and, and what impact it will have on the game long term. Um, I think the trust will echo that. Um, as I said, we, we need to finish our discussions as a board, but I'm fairly certain we're going to be echoing that. And I think then we'll be campaigning with the club and saying, look, we want you to be pushing to turn this down as well understand you know are there bits behind the scenes that we don't know about that are maybe influencing decisions can can a different view that will support the lower leagues and football structure better be found we don't know but i think certainly we'll also be joining with other fans groups across the country um so there will be a collective voice of fans going beyond just sort of you know trust members and leeds fans that is saying you know this is what we believe as football fans is right for the game um and it will be a much more inclusive approach i think than one that looks to sort of direct all the power to to six particular clubs yeah yeah Okay, and can you just um, briefly before we, we we let you go, um, can you can you briefly just um, kind of maybe explain to people why they should become a member of uh, Lust, um, and uh, and how they can go about doing that? So, in a really simple sort of way, being a member of Lust means that your voice is part of what we do. So, whenever we have any major decisions to make, we go out to our members, we ask them. Uh, we survey them. We're in contact with the club regularly, um, putting their voices across. And believe me, I'm quite a strident voice on a lot of things. 
Um, and there's a lot of times that, you know, kind of my voice isn't actually the one that's being heard when we're talking at the club. We have to go and present what the majority of our fans uh, and members are saying. So it's about being part of that voice, being able to have your voice heard directly by the club. Um, there's also the fact that you're part of a, of, a, of a bigger picture of community of Leeds fans that are doing greater good projects, be that campaigning for safe standing back in the ground, be that uh, building sort of uh, relationships with the local community, helping uh, people who are in vulnerability and need be supported, uh, such as through the food banks, uh, doing things like the mural artwork that is basically brightening up the, and connecting the city again back with the club. All of these things are projects. Um, we have a future trust that is basically for young members and actually coming up in um, just over a week and a half's time or so in the half-term holiday holidays um we have our first future trust board so that's going to be uh held at ellen road with 10 of our junior members who are going to be going to the club meeting uh, a board member from leeds united uh, it's been run by ben shires who's the future trust president uh, on cbbc etc um and and they're going to get a chance to actually de- ask their questions directly to leeds united um as part of our future trust board so it's it's about being part of of something that collectively is trying to do the best that it can <laughs> to look after fans best interests um to bring the club and the fan base closer to the community um, uh, and all of that really just to, to sort of promote Leeds United as an entity um, and Leeds United fans and to get away from, you know, kind of this vision that, you know, kind of some have worldwide about us being kind of back in the 80s hooligans. And it was a pretty rough sort of time back then, but we're a different world now. Um, so I think it's it's about being part of something, having your voice heard, being able to sort of be part of that process to add something back into the community um, and to do great things. We are going to be introducing various other member benefits sort of wider throughout this year. Um, and we have uh, Jip who's working on those. But um, if you want to become a member, it's pretty straightforward. You can go to uh, leedsunitedtrust.com. Um, have a look on there. There's a join section enables you to do that. It's £10 um, £10 a year to join um, and to be part of that process. Um, you can join as a lifetime member if you want for £100, but £10 a year. Um, if you do so, basically, you can then have um, a, a junior member that can uh, sign up as part of that process as well. So if you've got kids and you just think you want your kids involved so that they could potentially be at the club asking direct questions as part of a future trust board, become a member yourself, uh, sign your kids up as well, and then they get to do that. And to add into that, which is a much more important thing than all that, the AGMs are at Lambert's Yard and they do a really nice pale. And I'm missing that pale ale so much. I think it's a Caledonian. That was so nice. Yeah, um, unfortunately, <laughs> I, don't think, I don't think this year we, we can't we, do that. We will be. Um, <laughs> you know, but yeah, we, we've certainly had them there before. Um, I mean, last year, actually, um, we had the AGM at the um, centenary exhibition that we created. So we created basically a, a mini museum of never seen together memorabilia from the history of Leeds United um, as a trust and put that on, on exhibition for just over two months uh, in Leeds City Centre um, as part of the centenary celebrations, um, you know, kind of, uh, and that was us, that was, that did that. So uh, nice link through to that, Alex. Thank you very much. Yeah, you're welcome. You're welcome. I'll uh, accept my uh, free pin badge. <laughs> All right, so you can go on to legionitedtrust.com to become a member of the Trust. Have your voice heard by them, and they will pass it on in their regular meetings to the club. Thank you very much, Graham. It was a pleasure to talk to you, and thanks for your input, which was uh, vastly more intelligible uh, and a lot less uh, duck dick <laughs> styles than uh, we normally have. <laughs> Oh, you're welcome. Thanks for having me on. Thanks, Graham. Thanks, Thanks Graham. Have Cheers. a great night. Cheers. Bye. So, Lust, Graham Hyde, how was that, fellas? Yeah, that's cool. It's good. Uh, it went off into the, the reeds, shall we say, <laughs> for the duck dick bit. But yeah, I think you need to redo the artwork for this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> the duck dick. <laughs> um... <clears throat> I, I kind of didn't have anything else to talk about. It's just basically England, um, boo, uh, and 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 wolves. So and, England and internationals injuring all as fucking players. Yes. So England. Um, I had on my notes shameful display from England. Uh, I had three points. Dire as shit. 
Uh, <laughs> Henderson is a whining, diming, diving, shameless cunt. And uh, Mount also has no shame in celebrating that tame shot, which looped yeah. over the keeper, luckily. And but the worst of all is uh, fucking Gareth Southgate, who he might be top of the Nations League, the fucking Mickey Mouse competition that no one gives a fuck about. But he needs to just get he's playing anti football, and he makes me want he, he makes me hate England and football and him and just it's fuck off. Dread, it's <laughs> dreadful. I tried to watch some of it and that turned off. It's yeah. so slow and ponderous. No one knows what to do. So I I can't watch it. It's just, no. and they're not they're not using like utilizing Phillips correctly, which annoys me. Yeah. They're not playing Grealish when they should, and that pains me to say because I don't like the lad, but he's in the form of his life and he should be playing. The team selection doesn't do anything for me, and oh, why? Grealish just, has got a lot better since he stopped his fucking floor gymnastics. Still yeah. does it every now and then, but not as much. And he's 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 improved a lot since he came to the Premier League. And fair, good on him. He deserves his place. And at least he he when he gets the ball, he tries to fucking run forward and make something happen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Why do we always end up with these fucking shitty England managers, great players, generations worth of good players, and we get fucking Sven Goran Eriksson or uh, what was his name? That Capello. fucking Italian cunt. <laughs> Capello. Roy Hodgson. <laughs> <laughs> Roy Hodgson. <laughs> I'm from Venice. <sighs> God. Anyway, the point is sack him off and get somebody decent in. Fuck's sake. Yeah. If you're gonna if you're gonna risk all these players getting COVID, if you're gonna fucking do all this stupid shit during the middle of a global pandemic, at least make it watchable. Yeah. <laughs> well the one good thing about this that weekend though is that most of the Portuguese team have now got COVID and we're playing Wolves on Saturday. I Monday. think they've all tested, aren't they? They've all tested oh, negative, yeah. which is yeah, that's a shame. Good. But test them again. Just <laughs> just make sure. Just test them a yeah, couple more really times yeah. because and can Ronaldo can imagine do the and at number one for Wolves? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, can Ronaldo just lick the swab? <laughs> Ronaldo, can you get a bit closer to those uh, Portuguese players, please? Just a little bit closer. <laughs> Sorry, I, ca- I can't quite hear what you're saying, uh, Mr. Ronaldo. Could you just clear your throat, like in the vicinity of these players, please? It's like, Good and in, in net is the tea lady. On the <laughs> left wing is the kit man. <laughs> What's the minimum that can start with, like nine players? Yeah, let's do that. <laughs> it's less than seven, isn't it? And then the game's abandoned, I think. <clears throat> cool. Yeah. It just feels like a like the kids, the tea lady and the kit man, and we'll still get beat. <laughs> just give us the three points and we'll move on yeah. happily. Thank you very much. Oh, yeah, just don't cough anywhere near us. I see that um, France's young midfielder, Edward Eduardo Cam- Camvinga, Posted, he got Ronaldo's shirt after the game. And put, I'm not. I won't wash it. You probably should wash it, mate. <laughs> Sixty degrees. Yeah. I wonder if he's got the app installed. Oh, I need to self isolate now. <laughs> oh dear, is that it? Is that yeah, everything? I think I'll say no. Are we paying for the villa or not? We're sacking it off. We finding an illegal stream. <laughs> You'd have to answer uh, that. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> If my solicitor is listening, no, I'm watching it legitimately. <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't like paying £10 for championship games. I'm not paying 15 quid to watch fucking Villa play. No, I'd rather not. It seems no. a bit excessive. I mean, yeah. I know we just complimented Grealish, which felt weird enough, but... Uh. His new best mate, Calvin Phillips. You've seen him in England training. Yeah. Not busy mates now. Oh, really? I don't know how I feel about that. Yeah, Grealish wanted to do his one-on-one drills with Ronaldo, uh, with uh, with Phillips. I don't, I, I don't know how I feel that they're kind of pally. Well, it's all going to change when KP fucking snaps him in Smashes the first him. minute. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Take a red Have count. some of that, you cunt. <laughs> and your hair cut like shit as well. He fouled the Tyro, didn't he, in the, in the Wales he game? Did. So he doesn't hold back, does the lad. I had to tweet out an apology, didn't he? <laughs> 
So it was the week that the Big Six tried to assassinate association football as we know it. Let's hope it can hold on a few six months longer, just enough time for Leeds United to win the Premier League. (laughs) (laughs) It's a very goodbye from me. You know me as the Adelites on Twitter, and it's a quite a goodbye from Alex. Quite a goodbye from me. And it's somewhat of a goodbye from Ross. Somewhat of a goodbye. Goodbye. If you'd like to tell your friends and family and random people on the street about the Roaring Peacock podcast, we're not going to stop you. And if you want to do it online, you can use the hashtag PassThePeacock, which took me literally 10 seconds to think up. And I regretted (laughs) it almost immediately. Just about just like all the creative things in, in my life. Uh, Alternative, you could use dash out the duck dick and we could go with that. (laughs) Hashtag bigger than a duck stick. (laughs) That was your wrong pickup man cast. We'll see you very shortly for the Wolves match preview. Thank you and good night. Most of our stats come from LUFC Stats or LUFC Data on Twitter. You should probably give them a follow as they're more interesting than us. A very special thanks to Adam Elliott, Adam Warner, Barney Stewart, Cookie Ed McIntyre, Ewan and Howard Metcalf, Josh Pearson, Laura, Leon, Nige and Rob, The Light Show, to all our family and friends. So many games to play, don't care what's on your mind.